Hello, I'm Claire Southworth and this is Talking Flutes. Those were the opening bars of one of my favourite pieces of music, Jean-Michel de Mars' Sonate en Concert. This was written in 1952 for Geoffrey Gilbert and the cellist William Pleath, although the cello part is ad lib. Now ad lib means literally at one's pleasure, so the piece can be played with or without cello, and in fact the first performance was for the flute and piano version alone. De Mars was a prolific flute composer, and I don't think he's ever had the recognition that he deserves. His works include three concertos, two double concertos, nine flute and piano works, cadenzas for the Mozart concertos, five books of studies, and lots of chamber music. I have mentioned his first study book in a previous podcast. These are advanced studies, and De Mars didn't write in any dynamic markings. He left all the musical nuances to be decided by the performer. They're a great way to test a student's musical creativity or lack of creativity. They make you think and push your musicality. DeMar started composing at the age of nine, which was in 1937 in Bordeaux in France. He went on to study at the Paris Conservatoire and then toured the world as a concert pianist before devoting his time to composition and teaching. His style can be described as playful, elegant, tonal, and very attractive. The Sonata en Concert is neoclassical in style. Neoclassical was a movement in the 20th century around the years of 1915 to about 1940, which was aimed at avoiding too much emotion and to return to the style of the pre-romantic composers although here there is so much expressive writing. The piece is typical of Damas' compositional style, elegant and attractive. The writing is in dance form, held together by recurring extracts from the opening majestic bars. The prelude is a grand majestic opening. Here you need to be confident, project your sound. Imagine you're filling a huge concert hall with your sound. This is beautifully expressive, warm music. Let your vibrato warm your sound. There are two distinct dolce sections where there is almost a reflective mood and contrasts beautifully with the opening. Let's have another listen. Following on from the prelude, 
is the lively rigodon. Originally, this was a French Baroque dance. It's characterised by simple eight-bar phrases and was very popular as a court dance during the reign of Louis XIV. It remained in fashion throughout the 18th century as well. As you can imagine, the mood is so different from the prelude. Here the writing is light and delicate with a nod to the hopping movements of the original court dance. As you can hear, there are a few fast scale passages. The best way to practice these are by using my rolling scale technique. I've written about these in my book Flute Reboot, so if you have a copy, it's in lesson 12. After the rigodon, there is a linking section using the prelude theme, leading to the lush tones of the aria. An aria is a solo melody with accompaniment. They are most frequently heard in operas and the word derives from the Italian word meaning air. The aria in opera was a chance to be expressive and show some emotion after the recitatives. This aria is no different with its sustained, fluid and expressive phrases. Following the aria comes the intermezzo, its meaning being a composition which fits between other musical elements, and here it fits between the two arias. I think this is one of the trickier sections of the piece. It's difficult to make the detail of the grace notes clear. The mood changes dramatically once again to something more rustic and harsh almost. There are two clear sections in the intermezzo one articulated and the other legato. Try and differentiate between the two. If you struggle with the grace notes and trills, practice by stripping the sections down to their simple elements and then gradually build up to the more complex. By that, I mean play without any grace notes and trills first to feel the rhythmic energy and pulse and then add the decorations bit by bit. Thank you. 
After the intermezzo, the aria makes a gentle return in the low register to calm everything down and help introduce the Sicilienne. Now Siciliennes are always written in 6 or 12-8 time with lilting rhythms and gentle mood. This one is no exception. Finally, we have the jig, a lively dance. In classical suites, the jig was always at the end, the final energetic and vibrant fling. Clear articulation is essential here and taking care to let the energy and vibrancy build up to the final pumoso coda, which keeps its intensity right to the final bar. Then was my brief look at Jean-Michel de Mars's Sonate en Concert, the most wonderful piece of music and a fabulous choice for programme planning or as an addition to your repertoire. Thank you for listening. We love hearing from you with your comments and questions. You can find us on our social media pages for Twitter and Instagram at Claire Flute and at Flute and on our Talking Flutes Facebook page. You can also email your questions to flutepodcasts at gmail.com.
Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.